0: Welcome in to the Ken Wyman Show on BSL Radio. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Baltimore Orioles, the Baltimore Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations at the message board. Like BSL on Facebook and follow BSL
1: on Twitter. What's up, what's up? Ken Weinman with you. It's uh, the Ken Weinman Show here on Baltimore Sports and Life, part of the Blog Talk Radio. Uh, we're going to be getting into a lot of things as we go through this, this uh, podcast. Uh, this is episode one and some of the things we're going to get into today. The Orioles. And where I see them going this year, the Ravens will look back at the draft and look ahead and see what else they're going to do. And then of course uh, we will take a look at maybe the Washington capitals, the NBA playoffs. So anything else that's going on in the world of sports that sort of strikes my fancy, but we'll start with the Orioles. They lost to the Yankees last night, seven to nothing. They, Tyler Wilson looked good for five innings. I think he held the Yankees to what one hit, and then in the sixth inning things fell apart. Gave up a couple runs, then gave up a third run on an error. It's three nothing. Uh, C. Sabathia had not gone seven shutout innings in what four years, but he did that last night against the Baltimore Orioles. And it, it, it's for me, it's frustrating because I know and you know, doing uh, my other show, getting calls all the time about well, what's up with the offense and. Game to game, you're going to have tough nights. That's just the way baseball works. Uh, I try to remind people all the time, baseball's a failure sport. And your best players, if they hit 300, you hit 300 over a 15-year your career, you're probably going to the Hall of Fame. It also means you failed seven out of every 10 times. So if you hit 350, that's six and a half out of every 10 times you failed. The, the, the trick is that everybody doesn't fail at the same time. And you don't want everybody slumping at the same time, and that's sort of what happened uh, last night against CC Sabathia in the bullpen. And the, the Orioles, they had their opportunities early. There's no doubt about that. They had their opportunities early, and what seemed to happen is when they'd get runners on base, they then uh, either hit into a double play. I know Manny Machado had a couple runners on and nobody out and struck out. They they hit into multiple double plays early. So there, there were problems with the Orioles, and the Orioles, as they sit right now, fifteen and eleven, which sounds good on paper, but they did start seven and zero. So they've won four games, and <laughs> it's it's not it's not good. Since starting seven and zero, uh, they are what eight and eleven. So take that for what it's worth. Now I will tell you that baseball is to, to use the old cliche: it's a marathon, not a sprint. And you're going to go through your struggles. You know, the best team in the history of modern baseball, the Seattle Mariners in 2001, won 116 games. So that means they experienced some losing. You know, you're talking about a team that lost, what, 46 games? And then, oh, by the way, did not make it uh, to the World Series. They lost to the Yankees in the LCS. So there's nothing guaranteed. Uh, And we're seeing that with the Capitals, which we'll talk about later. But I do think it's a decent team. One of the issues, and unfortunately it's been an issue that was uh, bothersome or questionable, however you want to put it, coming into the season, that's the starting pitching. Uh, You came into the season with a rotation of Gallardo uh, and Jimenez, Tillman, Gossman, and then either Wright or Wilson. At least that's what it looked like. And then Gossman starts to be on the DL, so Wright and Wilson are both pitching in the rotation. Now – for me, I love – I wish I could combine Tyler Wilson and Mike Wright because they combined would be a great pitcher because Mike Wright has great stuff, and Tyler Wilson has great makeup. Uh, he's He's got I, – I prefer him on the mound as far as his his sort of – mentally, but physically, Mike Wright's the better pitcher. But, again, you can't combine those two guys. It doesn't work that way. Life does not work that way. But you see with these guys – and Tyler Wilson, again, pitched – very well for five innings, and then fell apart. And Mike Wright looked good the other day. And granted, you know, Tyler Wilson is six innings, two earned. That's a quality start. So you you can make the argument, Ken, that's about the offense. And you're right to an extent. But when you're looking at the game in the game in the moment, uh, he's got to come out in the sixth inning and pitch better. And he can't lose his head when all of a sudden base runners come on. CC uh, Sabathia didn't. Now I know he's been there before, but he's not a very good pitcher anymore. Uh, I think that that's uh, not a, a, a shock to anyone. CC uh, Sabathia, it's been a long time since he was the guy that was competing for Cy Young's and one of the most dominant pitchers in baseball and signed that you know, nine-figure contract. Uh, that guy, he still makes that money because baseball contracts are guaranteed, but he's not that guy anymore. That guy doesn't exist. So when you go out there and you don't take advantage of situations, you get yourself in trouble. By the way, you know, looking at the overall lineup, Manny Machado is great. And I know it's hard to, it's hard to criticize him for striking out with first and second, because then he hits doubles in the game. So he's on fire right now. He's definitely the best player on this team. He may compete for the MVP in the American league. If the team competes, that's how good he is. And with all due respect to Chris Davis and Mark Trumbo, and and adam jones he's the face of this franchise and speaking of adam jones am i the only one that thinks he's playing hurt there's something off about adam jones and if we can talk about how uh his at bats and and team, people always complain to me that he's too aggressive and i'm not one to complain about that because i don't feel like uh i want to change who he is because if you change who he is I think he might become a worse player because you can't guarantee me that if he becomes more patient, then everything else stays the same. I think he's the guy he is at the plate, that is. you know, The the guy who hits 25 to 30 home runs and drives in eight, 90 to 100 RBIs and hits 280, at least that's who he used to be. I think he's that guy because of the way he approaches the bets. Uh, I, I don't think that changing him and telling him to be more patient automatically makes him a better player. So uh, I'm fine with who he is, but who he is right now doesn't look like the same Adam Jones, does it? That's what I see. I I see a guy who uh, is struggling, who doesn't look right. Remember, he spent some time out of, he did not go on the disabled list, but missed some games. He was hurt last year. I think he was much more hurt last year than he let on. That's my opinion. I think that's a guy that that uh, played very hurt and it affected his numbers. And I'm hopeful that whatever he's dealing with right now is something that he can get through without a, a trip to the disabled list. Or maybe he needs a trip to the disabled list. And maybe 15 days away gets him healthy. Whatever it is, you might want to think about it because Adam Jones does not look right. And I can't be the only one who thinks this. And when I look at Adam Jones – uh, I see a guy who doesn't seem to uh be hundred percent, and it's affecting who he is. And when you're hitting slightly above two hundred and you you haven't uh got gotten the power numbers that you're used to, something's off. Now on the flip side, they're lucky to have Mark Trumbo, who has done his best impersonation of Nelson Cruz from a couple years ago. And Mark Trumbo, and I didn't expect this. I Mark Trumbo's a guy like I I'm not going to tell you I expected Nelson Cruz at 40 home runs, but I I do think that Nelson Cruz was a guy that was on his way to his career year, his last year in Texas, before he had to serve the steroid suspension. And uh, to me that said, and remember the, uh, the steroid suspension was coming and it was old. and uh, Anyway, uh, to me that said, there's a guy that if he can stay on the field, puts up numbers. And he did that in Baltimore his one year here. He did it in Seattle last year. He'll continue to do it in Seattle until, He loses a step, and then it'll go down, but he's a guy that, that to me, I saw having a big year. I didn't know that it was 40 home runs big, but I thought it could be 30-plus home runs big. Uh, And and we knew right away that he was big in the clubhouse, that his teammates liked him. There was a lot about Nelson Cruz that everybody liked. Uh, Mark Trumbo, guy that's hit for power, but I didn't know much about Mark Trumbo, the guy uh, not much of a reputation other than the fact that he wasn't a good defensive outfielder, which the Orioles now have to use him defensively because uh, when Dexter Fowler fell through and Alston Jackson wanted to play center field, they decided to go with Pedro Alvarez, who becomes your DH against right-handed pitching, and that puts Trumbo in the outfield. Now, he hasn't been atrocious, but he's not good. It's obvious. It's obvious he's not good, and he he, he had a misplay in in Fenway Park and you can blame that on others I I just think that Mark Trumbo is a below average Outfielder. Uh, Pedro Alvarez On the other hand, now let's finish with Trumbo Trumbo uh, has been A guy that's been hitting for this team since the start Multi-hit game on opening day uh, Is hitting for average better than we Expected and that that means that he's going to Slump at some point because again that's Baseball. If you don't Think so then you haven't been paying attention He's he's not going to hit 350 That's just not the way it works Uh, He'll probably hit closer to 260 so at some point uh, that he's going to go through a a bad a a bad spot like for example so i'm at lunch with a buddy of mine the other day and he's a nationals fan and he says to me, bryce harper's great i say i agree bryce harper's great he might be the best player in baseball right now if i had to pick one guy i'd take bryce harper he goes i don't think he's going to slump this year i go that's impossible you realize it's it's physically impossible for him not to slump all year he goes what do you mean i go if he doesn't slump all year he's going to hit 600 nobody hits 600 and then, lo and behold, he just went through, I think, a one through 17 stretch, one for 17 stretch. So of course, like everybody else, he slumps, and he'll go through another one during the season. It's just the way it works. So Tom was going to go through slumps. Pedro Alvarez started the year in a slump, and it was amazing to me how many people say, "Well, cut him or bench him." all these things. It was magnified. There are guys that are going to go through what, one through 20s or whatever Pedro Alvarez had started the year. It was magnified by the fact that he did it to start the season. Now, that doesn't mean I think Pedro Alvarez is going to have a fantastic year. But it does mean that uh, he will start hitting, and he has started to hit. He started to hit. You know, look, he had multi- multiple 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 multi-hit games easy for me to say uh did consecutive games he finally hit his first home run i think the home runs are going to come that that's just who he is he's going to hit 25 to 30 home runs and he's going to hit for a low batting average that's that's just who we know pedro alvarez is uh beyond the starting pitching which uh, again is a bit of a concern because and i I think the big part that hurts is gavani gallardo getting hurt and hopefully he comes back and he becomes the guy he's been his whole career which is multiple uh multi or, or double-digit wins excuse me uh era under four uh and gives you innings he's durable that's what ivana gallardo has been his whole career this year he immediately gets on, goes on the dl they need him to be that 13 14 win 3 7 era lot of innings guy because this is not a starting rotation that, that gets deep in games now hopefully tillman and gossman can be those guys you don't know what you're getting from a baldo start to start and i'm not trying to be unfair it's just fact He's not a guy that's going to give you uh, um, consistency. Some nights he'll go out. this first start against Minnesota, he was great. First, it came in yards. He was great. Now, the first two innings, he was awful. Gave up a run in the first, gave up a run in the second, and if memory serves, he had first and third. Nobody out in the third got out of it, and all of a sudden he goes seven. New Orleans get the win. But you, you don't know what you're getting with a Baldo game in and game out. And then then it's the, the you look at the bullpen and Zach Britton's hurt at the moment. But they got they dodged a bullet on his injury, even though they didn't on J J Hardy. But let's be honest, when's the last time J J Hardy was the guy they're paying him to be? And I like him, but J J Hardy is being paid to hit home runs, uh, to to bring power to the bottom of the lineup. He's not that guy anymore. At least he hadn't been in two years. He had a couple home runs at Fenway Park, wrapped him around Pesky's pole. Those are kind of fluky. But it looks like the power's gone, even though he did have a good spring, and now he's hurt again. Hairline fracture in his foot. So he's out at least a month. So that one hurts, because now you have to redo the infield, and, and he is great at shortstop when he's healthy. Even though he doesn't have great range, he's smart. He plays a very good shortstop. But now you can put Manny Machado at shortstop, and that's, that's been one of the great debates. Manny Machado, do you move him to short? Do you leave him at third? If J.J. Hardy's healthy, I want Manny Machado at third because I know he is the best third baseman on the planet. At least I feel like arguably defensively he's the best third baseman there is. With You know, Nolan Arenado, uh, Josh Donaldson, those are other guys that probably are in that mix. But I don't think anybody plays a better third base than Manny Machado. Now, he could be a great shortstop, but I know he's a great third baseman. So for now, I want him at third base. Uh, now when JJ Hardy's done and you're trying to figure out what you're going to do at shortstop, I think it depends on what you can get as far as on the free agent market. If you can get a very if you can get a good shortstop, he stays at third. If you can get a good third base when he goes to short. But right now I want him at third base. But the bullpen, uh Britain and O'Day, save for the one blown save the other night, have been very good. O'Day was not good the other day against Chicago. And instead of taking three out of four, and let's face it, you knew they were going to lose to Chris Sale on Sunday. I was hoping the game would get rained out and they'd dodge a bullet there. But I I look at uh, the bullpen, and I like Brad Brock. I don't love him, but I like him. And I like Michael Givens. Uh, but I, I, I'm not sure uh, – I like some of the other guys in that bullpen. T.J. McFarlane hits way too many bats for me. I don't want T.J. McFarlane in any game where the game is still in doubt. And you saw that last night. He comes in to replace uh, Tyler Wilson and immediately base runners run because he doesn't miss bats. I joke that if you strike out against against T.J. McFarlane, you should be sent down immediately because he's not missing your bat. So then they brought in Dylan Bundy, who wasn't very good, and the game blew up. And Dylan Bundy, has been he was really good early. He struggled a little bit late, but I still like him in the bullpen. Uh, he throws hard. Uh, I, I like what he brings. He's not consistent yet, and let's face it, he has not pitched in two years. And for people that want him to go jump in the starting rotation, he hasn't pitched in two years. So let's hold off on that just a little bit. But I still think this is a very flawed division. The Yankees are awful, even though they won last night. Tampa Bay can't hit, so I, I don't see them as, as much competition. Uh, Toronto's going to be good, even though they've gotten off to a slow start. It looks like Boston's for real. And then there's the Orioles. If the Orioles can get any pitching, they're going to hit. They're going to be nights when they don't, but they're going to hit. So can they compete in the alleys? Sure. But the starting pitching needs to get better and we'll just have to see as we go, if it does get better. I know they made an offer to Kyle Loesch. I know they're going to watch uh, Tim Lincecum pitch. Let's see if they bring in somebody else. I'm sure Dan Duquette's trying uh, the Orioles spent some money this off season, but other than Gallardo wasn't on pitching and he was just the guy left. So uh, I, I am very curious to see uh, if what they do to improve this rotation. And if, if they don't, or even if they do, is it enough to win this division? Because remember, Two years ago when they won 96 games, it was the starting pitching that carried them, especially in the second half of the season. The way this rotation looks right now, I don't see that happening at the moment. We're going to switch gears when we come back, talk a little bit about the Ravens and the draft and my thoughts on all that the Ravens did, uh, and again, get looking ahead and see how they sort of look uh, as we sit here in early May. It's the Ken Wyman Show, Baltimore Sports and Life, here on Blog Talk Radio.
2: The Baltimore Animal Rescue and Care Shelter, or BARKS for short, is a nonprofit organization. They take in homeless, neglected, and unwanted animals in Baltimore City. And their mission is to accept and care for all animals in need. All of them. And they, they only want to promote responsible pet ownership for a more humane community in Baltimore City. Please help care for the animals at Barks by making a tax deductible contribution to the Barks Medical Care Fund. You can donate online at baltimoreanimalshelter.org or mail a check to Barks at 301 Stockholm Street, Baltimore, Maryland, 21230. Operation Second Chance is a group of patriotic citizens committed to serving our wounded, injured, and ill combat veterans. Operation Second Chance supports veterans and their families while they recover in military hospitals, And they do this by building relationships and identifying and supporting immediate needs and interests. Operation Second Chance is dedicated to promoting public awareness of the many sacrifices made by our armed forces. Learn more about Operation Second Chance at their website, operationsecondchance.org.
3: Speak, or Suicide Prevention Education Awareness for Kids, promotes the prevention of youth suicide through a campaign of education and awareness at the community level. Every one hour and 53 minutes in the U.S., we lose another young person by suicide. That's a Columbine every day. Speak is the leader of suicide prevention in Maryland and provides literature, speakers, and programs to schools and organizations. Learn more at
0: speakforthem.org. Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Baltimore Orioles, Baltimore Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations on the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on
1: Twitter. Ken Wyman back with you here on Baltimore sports and life is blog talk radio. And uh, we're, we're taking you through, it's the episode one of our fantastic um, Ken Wyman show, which we'll be doing every week uh, posting a, a podcast every week to let you know what's going on in my mind. And we'll go to the Ravens now. And the Ravens had their draft last weekend. And, you know, for me, it was an okay draft but not one that really knocked my socks off. And it's interesting that they are being lauded by national people. And Mel Kuyper, and God bless Mel Kuyper, he's done a great job doing what he does. Uh, But he loves the Ravens drafts every year. Go back, if you want, just Google their last five drafts. He's never given them worse than a B. He (laughs) He loved the Matt Elam, Arthur Brown draft. So it tells you, A what an inexact science it is, and B, even the people that we think know don't always know. So I look at this draft, and, and yeah, Ronnie Stanley looks like a nice player. Now the, the rumor is, and the Ravens deny this, but uh, according to ESPN, the Ravens were going to take Laramie Tunsil at six if, if he was the guy there uh, until right before the draft, that video surfaced. And it's a shame that somebody with, that, with no time to vet that story I don't have a problem with the Ravens pulling Tunsil from their board because you don't know the specifics. The timing of that was so perfect for them to ruin Laramie Tunsil. Now, by the time we got to 13, Miami wanted to take a shot with him. You knew a little bit more about it. You knew he didn't post it. Uh, You found out it was older because, let's face it, 10 minutes, it's a couple hours later. 10 minutes to pick. It's a couple hours later. So at that point, you had some idea. Ravens picking at six. You didn't have as much information. The Ravens decided they were going to pull him. I have no problem with that. And Laramie Tunsil not only is a guy that uh, that has had off the field issues, not only this marijuana. And by the way, as a guy that's never done any drugs, I, I actually thought that he, the oxygen mask bong was pretty innovative. Uh, I just wanted to give him props for that. Um, people have told me now later that it wasn't anything new, but that shows you how naive I am when it comes to drugs. Uh, But uh, Ronnie Tunsil was a guy that I was told was kind of soft at the, was it, I think the uh, senior bowl, Um, but he doesn't get hurt. And and it's also uh, drafting an offensive lineman, let's face it, whether it had been Tunsil or Stanley, when Christmas, the draft is kind of like Christmas, right? And when you draft an offensive lineman, It's kind of like getting socks for Christmas. You need them, right? Everybody needs socks, but uh, you're not excited about it. You're never excited about getting socks. And that's what Ronnie Stanley is. Now, they could have had Jalen Ramsey if they traded a fourth round pick to, or excuse me, a third round pick to the Cowboys. They offered a fourth. The the Cowboys weren't a third. As it turns out, they probably wanted the third because they wanted to uh, trade up and get Paxton Lynch later. So they wanted more ammunition. So they wanted a third from the Ravens. Uh, and and for me, this reminds me of that draft years ago where the Patriots were sitting ahead of the Ravens. And they wanted a third-round pick from the Ravens to move up so the Ravens could get Des Bryant. And the Ravens balked at it. And the, the Cowboys then gave them that third and jumped ahead of the Ravens and took Des Bryant. And the Ravens were going to take Des Bryant if he fell to them. Uh, the Ravens' third-round pick that year? Ja Reed. And if memory serves, that was the draft. They ended up trading their first-round pick to the to the Broncos for Tim Tebow, and that draft did not turn out great, and Ja Reed was not great. And So if you had it all to do over again, I think I would have traded my third-round pick to get one of the top wide receivers in football. And, yes, Des Bryant's got some off-the-field issues, but there's no doubt he's one of the best wide receivers in football and would have helped Joe Flacco immeasurably. When you think about – some of the guys that have just been guys that Joe Flack has been throwing the football to. And Des Bryant's one of the top guys in the league. Sure. It's a it's in hindsight, it's probably a move that I would have made. Now here we are again, this draft, the Ravens offered a four and they had multiple fours and they ended up getting more because they traded down, but they, they offered a four to move up one spot and the Cowboys are sitting at five or excuse me at four is a move up two spots because the, the Jaguars are, Sitting at 5 And the Cowboys wanted Ezekiel Elliott Now I don't think the Cowboys were worried That the Ravens were going to take Ezekiel Elliott I I really don't Uh, I do think That they were worried that somebody would trade with Jacksonville If Jacksonville didn't have Have have, uh, Jalen Ramsey on the board Now uh, Jalen Ramsey was the top player On the Ravens board from what I understand He was the number one guy I think Joey Bosa Was their number two guy and that sort of surprised people when the Chargers took post. But anyway, so I'm looking at what the Ravens could do. And they end up saying, balking at the third, third round pick. And they keep their first round pick and take Stanley. And then in the third round, they take Bronson Caffucci, a defensive end, rush end from BYU. Now, I hope he's a great player. And people seem to love that they took the kid Kamali Correa in the third round, who's a smaller but rush and speed rush guy out of Boise State. And that's the second round pick. In the third round, they took Kafusi, bigger guy, past rusher from BYU. And, and I'll be straight up and honest with you. I have not watched a ton of Boise State and BYU football. Now, I've watched highlight packages of both guys, and um, they look great. But you can make anybody look great in a highlight package. Jalen Ramsey, could have been a dynamic guy in their secondary, which, by the way, the Ravens have neglected over the years. They haven't drafted a guy in the first round in the secondary since Jimmy Smith. Uh, they have not really paid attention to the secondary. And, and I feel like you know, one of the things that when we look at, well, people say, well, why has Ozzie Newsom not had great drafts like he used to? I feel like the game has changed and the Ravens haven't changed with it. And what I mean by that is, NFL football has become a glorified seven-on-seven drill. And, yes, the trenches are still important. But it's also important to get speed. And that speed, outside speed, both at corner and wide receiver. And the Ravens don't have that. They seem to be slow to adjust to that. And still, they drafted one corner in this draft. The Tavon Young out of Temple in the fourth round. and And I hope he's a nice player. He's undersized. Everybody kept saying he plays bigger than he is, which is fine. But he looks more suited to be a nickel corner. So unless you're going to pick up somebody that gets cut, and the Redskins cut Chris Culliver, but he was awful in the Super Bowl when he played for the Niners. Decent player, but he's coming off an ACL injury. I don't think the Ravens are going to be interested in Chris Culliver, but I'm sure they're going to be paying attention to guys that get cut. But they could add Jalen Ramsey in the first round for a third-round pick. Then in the second round, the guy that I thought coming into the draft was the best player in the draft, the guy that I was hopeful that the Ravens would take in the first round and granted injury issues prevented him from going the first round at all and that's Miles Jack the linebacker from uh, UCLA. Now granted, he became too much of a risk because of the knee situation taking the first round. And the Ravens obviously felt he was too much of a risk to take in the second round because he was sitting there on the board when they went to pick at 36 and they traded down. And then they traded down again. And eventually took Correa, who you know, the Ravens, after the draft, said they liked Correa more than they liked Noah Spence, a guy that people know, former Ohio State kid, went to Eastern Kentucky because he has some problems. Uh, but he's a pass rusher, a pass rusher that people know. And I, and I will say this, just because we've heard of them doesn't mean they're better than who the Ravens took, because they get paid a lot of money to scout. So I, I'm not going to question their acumen, and I'm not a huge Noah Spence guy, but I was a big Miles Jack guy, and I love the idea of Miles Jack and C.J. Mosley in the middle of that defense for the next four or five years. And with, with Jack's injury, maybe he only plays five years. But that's a contract. And if he helps you win now, isn't that what it's all about? And maybe Bronson Kafusi, or in this case, Kamali Correa, maybe he never gives has the impact that Jack could have for four years. Then who's the better pick? Seems to me it would have been Jack. He was sitting there. It's obvious the Ravens didn't like his medicals because they traded down when they could have had him. And Jacksonville took him. And what's interesting is Jacksonville is being uh, lauded for their first two picks. Ramsey in the first round, Jack in the second round. Remember, they get Fowler back, who was their first-round pick last year, who missed the whole year with an injury. They've made some great free agent signings. Jacksonville could be a team that's in the playoffs this year. If Blake Bortles minimizes his mistakes with Alan Robinson and Alan Hearns, if Marquise Lee can ever stay healthy, they brought in Chris Ivory to help his running back with T.J. Yeldon. Uh, they, they they look like a good football team on paper. And granted, no games are won on paper. But Jacksonville's intriguing, especially with now what they've done, bringing in Jack and bringing in Ramsey. If those guys are healthy, that's a big deal. Now, I will say this. The Ravens, uh, I do think Rashad Perryman is going to make an impact. I do think at worst, if he's on the field, he's going to be Torrey Smith. I've always felt that. I think he's got better ball skills than Torrey Smith had. He's got drops issues and he's got to prove himself because he has not played. And I thought the Ravens did him a disservice last year, the way they described his injury. They made him sound like he was weak and he had a knee injury. And if they would have just said it's a knee injury, we wouldn't have been complaining because knee injuries are sort of, they're, they're one of the downsides of playing uh, athletics. When you have a knee injury, you, you miss the year. So, For me, at least, I look at this and I go, "But Perryman's going to make an impact, uh, but he didn't take a wide receiver until the fourth round when you took Chris Moore. Now, if you want to watch Chris Moore in a highlight package that makes you uh, very intrigued, uh, you might want to uh, look at his game against Ohio State where he lit up Eli Apple. Eli Apple went in the first round. So maybe he can make an impact. And I know like Todd McShay is saying what the Ravens did in the fourth round is maybe the best round that any team has ever had ever. And that's possible. When you look at their fourth round, and, and I don't believe, and, and they, they can tell me I'm wrong, but we don't have proof we weren't in the room. I don't believe the Ravens planned on taking all, using all five fourth-round picks because now they have 11 draft picks, team, and they've got to figure out a way to get them on the roster. So guys have to come off because I feel like it, maybe Kennedy might not make the team, but the other 10 guys are going to make the team. Keenan Rounds is going to make the team, and I do expect Keenan Rounds to get a waiver. Uh, the quarterback out of the Navy is probably going to play slot receiver in the NFL. But I think that they uh, acquired those fourth-round picks, and then we're going to target somebody in the third round to trade back in, and it never happened. So in the fourth round, they took Tavon Young, the corner out of Temple. They took Chris Moore, the wide receiver out of Cincinnati. Alex Lewis, the offensive tackle for Nebraska, which people like. Uh, he's got some off-the-field issues, but he's got some talent, and people think he could play tackle in this league. Willie Henry. Uh, defensive tackle out of Michigan, who I think some people thought were su- was surprised that he went pro uh, and has a lot of upside. Um, so the, but another defensive tackle, the Ravens love tackles. And then Kenneth Dixon, who is the super intriguing one, the running back out of Louisiana tech, who uh, if you talk to people in football, they think he could make an impact this year. You know, of all the Ravens draft picks, he might make the biggest impact year one. And maybe Ronnie Stanley, of course, first round pick, but beyond Stanley, I think Kenneth Dixon is the guy that people are thinking, wow, this guy can make an immediate impact. So when you look at the running backs, you have Justin Forsett, you have Buck Allen, you have Terrence West, Lorenzo Talaferro, Trent Richardson, Terrence McGee. How many running backs are you keeping? I think that the the move to watch out for, and I'm not telling you this is going to happen, but it wouldn't surprise me if it would, if the Ravens believe in Buck Allen, I would not be surprised if they cut Justin Forsett. Saves him some cap room, allows him to keep another one of the younger guys. And Justin Forsett was very good for them two years ago. Before he broke his arm, he wasn't great last year. And the Ravens need to decide, and and, and you hate the business of football because Justin Forsett's a great guy. But I could definitely see a scenario where Forsett gets cut because they want to keep somebody else, whether it be Trent Richardson, who's in great shape, and I don't know if that's going to be the guy, or Terrence West, who actually played pretty well for the Ravens last year when they acquired him. Uh, One of those guys, I think Talaferro's gone. Can't stay healthy. He's shown flashes, but uh, I think he's an odd man out. Terrence McGee's not making this team. Trent Richardson is probably not making this team, but he's, as I said, in much better shape. So uh, I do believe that the Ravens think that last year was a fluke. And I think they're what they did in free agency points to that. Look what they did. Signed like, three three 30, 30, year old plus guys and Weddle Wallace and Watson, all three guys over 30 years old. That means that they don't, they're not looking to rebuild. They think that last year with all the injuries and then Joe Flacco eventually getting hurt and things snowballed, they think it's a fluke and they expect to come out next year. And be the team that was expected to be out there last year. Remember, a lot of experts had them as a Super Bowl contender last year. And I'm not going to tell you they're going to the Super Bowl. But I do think that they think they're a playoff team. And that's why they signed older free agents. Uh, But the draft, if you're a team that's looking to make an impact, and you sign these free agents to help this year, and then you look ahead and you're looking uh, at the draft, Ramsey and Jack are those guys that sort of fit with what you did in free agency, at least to me. So I, I, I'm a little confused and I, I don't buy that Ozzie Newsome. I know Mike Press Preston, Baltimore Sun wrote a, an article, a column, actually he's a columnist uh, saying that Ozzie has lost his nerve. I don't believe he's lost his nerve though. I, I would love to see them take uh, some more chances sometimes And Ramsey and Jack would have been the way I would have liked to have seen them go. And granted, you're taking a risk. You're trading a third-round pick who could be a nice player to get Ramsey. And Jack could be a guy whose knee blows up. You know what's interesting? Jalen Smith went before Miles Jack. And what's interesting about that is Jalen Smith, the linebacker from Notre Dame, who was going to be a top-five pick before he got hurt in the bowl game and a severe knee injury, including nerve damage. But the Cowboys took him. The Cowboys team doctor did his surgery. So he would know better than anyone the, the the strength of his knee. And it is fascinating to me that they took him in the second round. Tells me that the doctor thinks that uh, his knee is better than we, we think it is. So good for them. Maybe they have a player there because Jalen Ramsey was a stud at Notre Dame. Uh, Miles Jack, a stud at UCLA, injuries move them down the draft boards. So, as far as the Ravens are concerned, if Joe Flacco's healthy and the wide receiving core is healthy, I think he has a very good year. I think they're able to move the football. Uh, they needed a left tackle. I think Eugene Monroe is probably on his way out the door. Maybe a post uh, uh, June 1st cut. You can't. He won't shut up on social media about weed, and they don't want that. And he hasn't been good when he's been here. And whatever you think about marijuana, he's got to shut up. And the team has probably asked him to, and he won't. I think he's trying to force his way out, and he'll get his wish. He hasn't been good. He's made too much money. I think Eugene Monroe is 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 safely uh, qualified as a bust. So Ronnie Stanley will probably open the year at left tackle. I'd be surprised if Monroe was here. That's all I'm trying to say. And and that's not going out on a giant limb here. But uh, we're going to be very interesting. I saw Mel Kuyper say – that with the Ravens, they, they drafted Kafusi Correa, and Judon, the, the small college kid at Grand Valley State. And they also picked up the kid out of Stony Brook, Ochi, who Kuiper had a third-round grade on. Those are four pass rushers. Now, he was only referring to the drafted ones as far as this theory is concerned. But he said, if you hit on one, that means you're one for three, you're a Hall of Famer. Imagine if they hit on all of them. Gives them some serious uh, thumping after quarterbacks with those guys. But it remains to be seen. Ken Wyman's show. Baltimore Sports and Life here on Blog Talk Radio. Come back, finish things up, thoughts on the NBA, NHL, uh, whatever else is going on, maybe get into some Johnny Manziel as, as well. As uh, It's the inaugural episode of the Ken Wyman Show on Baltimore Sports and Life.
2: The Baltimore Animal Rescue and Care Shelter, or Barks for short, is a nonprofit organization. They take in homeless, neglected, and unwanted animals in Baltimore City. And their mission is to accept and care for all animals in need, all of them. And they they only want to promote responsible pet ownership for a more humane community in Baltimore City. Please help care for the animals at Barks by making a tax-deductible contribution to the Barks Medical Care Fund. You can donate online at baltimoreanimalshelter.org or mail a check to Barks at 301 Stockholm Street, Baltimore, Maryland, 21230. Operation Second Chance is a group of patriotic citizens committed to serving our wounded, injured, and ill combat veterans. Operation Second Chance supports veterans and their families while they recover in military hospitals, and they do this by building relationships and identifying and supporting immediate needs and interests. Operation Second Chance is dedicated to promoting public awareness of the many sacrifices made by our armed forces. Learn more about Operation Second Chance at their website operation second chance.org
3: speak or suicide prevention education awareness for kids promotes the prevention of youth suicide through a campaign of education and awareness at the community level every one hour and 53 minutes in the u.s we lose another young person by suicide that's a columbine every day speak is the leader of suicide prevention in maryland and provides literature speakers, and programs to schools and organizations. Learn more at speakforthem.org.
0: Baltimore Sports and Life is dedicated to analysis and discussion on the Baltimore Orioles, Baltimore Ravens, and the University of Maryland. The site has a team of writers providing coverage of those teams and houses live streaming content weekly. Join the conversations on the message board, like BSL on Facebook, and follow BSL on Twitter.
1: Yes, welcome back. Ken Wyman Show, Baltimore Sports and Life here on Blog Talk Radio. Episode one, let's finish up strong and start with something that shouldn't surprise you, but disappoints you every year. And I know here in the Baltimore area, we have a lot of Washington Capitals fans. And I'll, I'll tell you straight up, I've been watching the Caps since I can remember. And it, it, the thing with hockey, though, for me, I like hockey a lot, but I like football more, both college and pro. I like basketball more, both college and pro, the NBA and college basketball. And I like baseball more. So it's, it it slides down the rung of what I enjoy. So if there's an NBA, NBA basketball game on and a Caps game regular season, I'm going to watch the NBA basketball game. College basketball, I'm going to watch over the Caps. Now, come playoffs, if the Caps are playing, I'm watching the Caps ahead of those things. Now, once once the Caps get eliminated, and we just assume they get eliminated because that's what they do, uh, I go back to the basketball first. Uh, last night, watching the Orioles and the Caps uh, flipping back and forth, uh, the NBA playoff game between Atlanta and Cleveland was an absolute blowout so i didn't have to watch much of that as cleveland set a record for most threes in a a playoff game but the caps they with alexander ovechkin on that team they've been one of the best player the best teams in hockey almost every year in the regular season they've had a couple down years but this is now this season they won their second president's trophy which is for the best record in hockey and yet, with Alexander Ovechkin on this team, they have yet to, be, to get to a conference final, not a Stanley Cup final. And they did that, what, 99, I think, with all of Kolsig uh, in goal, carried them to a Stanley Cup final. And Ron Wilson coached that team. I went to game three with my father. Uh, they, lost to the Red, they got swept by the Red Wings. But they went to one Stanley Cup final. That was pre-Ovechkin. With Ovechkin there, they haven't been to a conference final. He can't get past the second round of the playoffs. So why should I be surprised as this team, which they, we've said, finally, they've got defense. Braden Hulpe's going to win the Vesna Trophies, the best goalie in hockey. Uh, why should I be surprised that here they are down three games to one to Pittsburgh in the Stanley Cup playoffs? And the answer is, as disappointed as I am, I am not surprised. Because the Washington Capitals, this is what they do. Whether it's against the Islanders or the Flyers or the Penguins, whomever, the Montreal Canadiens, the Tampa Bay Lightning, I don't care how good they are, once they get to the playoffs, they're going to lose. That's what they do. And until they get past that, until they get past that, then I'm going to assume they're going to lose. There's no other way to look at it. So maybe they win game five at home. Maybe. Even if they get to a game seven, I'm not going to be confident that they're going to win said game seven at home. And they're getting outplayed. Matt Murray, the what, third string rookie goaltender for Pittsburgh, is outplaying Braden Holpe. How that's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. So for me, I'm not surprised at all of what's going on with the Washington Capitals. I'm still disappointed. I'm hella disappointed, but this is what they do. This is actually what they do. So, you know, I guess I'll stop watching hockey again until the Stanley cup finals. And then I'll take a cursory view because if it's not the Capitals again, I'm rather watching NBA playoffs and NBA playoffs have not been great, but what's going on in golden state is interesting as they continue to play well without Steph Curry. Though, I think they'll have him back for the round against San Antonio, which should be an amazing series. That is if San Antonio gets past Oklahoma City. (laughs) That's not a guarantee at all. Anyway, that's it for our inaugural episode. Ken Wyman Show here on Baltimore Sports & Life, Blog Talk Radio. Tell your friends, tell your family, as we're right here on Blog Talk Radio. Everybody have a good day and enjoy the show.